Welcome on into WIP Daily. I am Tucker Bagley, and if you haven't heard, well, I, I worry about your internet connection, but if you haven't heard, the Sixers fired Doc Rivers on Tuesday, making a change to the head coaching position after after three seasons uh, of second-round exits, and Daryl Morey spoke to the media today, so what we're going to do is we're going to play Daryl Morey in his entirety. All of his comments is back and forth with the Sixers beat reporters with Howard Eskin everybody down at the Sixers practice facility and when we get done listening to his comments I'll come back and we'll discuss some of the the bigger takeaways because I I thought over the course of his 20 minutes or or so with the local media Daryl Morey had a lot of interesting things to say about the team about Doc Rivers about the future of the head coaching position about Joel Embiid and and James Harden their future with the team so here's Daryl Morey here's his comments um from from Wednesday afternoon and when we're done with that, I'll come back and, and we'll discuss some of the, the finer points what the Sixers president had to say today after the firing of Doc Rivers. Like I said yesterday, first ballot Hall of Famer um, led us to advancing in the playoffs uh, multiple times. Uh, just really us and one other team have even advanced in the playoffs the last couple of years and Look, winning's hard, and Coach Rivers was a great leader and someone I learned a lot from. I want to say thank you to the Philly fans. Um, you know, as as they've learned, and uh, when I walk around Center City where I live, they they give me the business, and even in the last day, uh, I was getting it and. You know what? That's that's why we love Philly. Um, and you know, obviously, I had many friends in the organization before I took this job, and I knew that was part of it. And you know, I appreciate you know our home crowds are amazing. Um, I wish we had delivered more, and we're going to do everything we can. Myself, uh, the players, uh, ownership to get this and get it get it that last step and obviously we knew that was the mission and we came short of it so i'll take take questions thanks hey daryl um it was basically a year ago today that you and doc sat up here together and you were very adamant about keeping him as as head coach just what changed over the last year that made you feel like this was a this was a necessary move yeah my job to evaluate everything and we felt like that was the best move for helping us uh, get to our goals going forward Um, it was carefully thought out and I recommended it to ownership and they accepted it hey Daryl back here sorry Amy Fadul a lot's been made about the connection you have with James Harden obviously going back a number of years how much input Will he have and Joel Embiid have in the new coach? Yeah, so we're taking a careful process uh, with the coach. We do not think it will move quickly. Um, I know I have to be careful with the process word, but it, it is it is it is true. We're going to look at all the candidates. We're already very encouraged by the candidates that reached out. We have an MVP player. We have a great roster. Um, that you know, lots of lots of players want to want to play with, lots of coaches want to be with. So um, we will look we will look at that carefully. Uh, the players won't have a direct input in the coach. Uh, obviously, who we have as players, I think, impacts you know how 
um, you know, you want to look for a coach that is a fit with, you know, how we want to play and the players we have. Um, but uh, the co- the players won't, won't have an input in that. Um, to, to follow up on that, um, while, the, while they won't have an input going forward, James the other day s- described his relationship with Doc as okay. How much did that factor into what happened? Yeah, I sort of. Hey, obviously, it's the business we're in that you know players and coaches too. They 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 have to give these instant answers. I I get the benefit of you know a, a couple days between you know a, the toughest situation you know that the players have faced in a long time and and giving answers to you today. Um, I think um, people make too much of those snap answers right after right after a loss like that. Um, I think Doc had great relationships with his players. We wouldn't have had the success, the success we had without it. And, um, you know, his relationship with both Joel and James was very strong. I think people saw that chemistry on the court um, between the three of them. And uh, that was uh, that was something that was not an issue. Well, up on, on that part, too, you said you mentioned Joel and his relationship with Doc. Uh, Stephen A. on television last night reported that uh, Joel was not happy about Doc getting fired. Um, how concerning is that to you? What, 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 is your, what are your thoughts on that? They had a strong relationship. I mean, they're you know, I have to make tough calls all the time with trades. Um, you know, Joel was disappointed in you know, be, you know, some of it was he didn't know the player we were getting in the trade who ended up helping us, but he was disappointed in the players that went out. I think it's natural to be very close with the people in the locker room. Um, he was very close with Coach Rivers, and yeah, he was shocked about the change. And um, you know, and it's my job to uh, help convince him that the new coach is someone that he'll have a great relationship with as well. What's the profile of the new head coach and his previous NBA head coaching experience a requirement? I wouldn't say requirement. I, I think when you get into requirements, you, you, you miss opportunities. But I would say that we have a roster ready to win. Obviously, we've been very successful, just came up short of our goals. Um, I think we have an MVP-level player, and I, I do think it – you know, if you look at the history of the NBA, it's challenging to walk into that as a first-time NBA head coach. That doesn't mean it hasn't worked. There are, you know, for every rule, there are solid counterexamples. So I, we're not going to go in with like a prescription or proscription, but you know, we're looking for someone who brings leadership, accountability, someone who, um, someone who is good at tactics, someone who is. Um, has great relationship with his star players and who uh, someone who uh, is good at recruiting star players and players want to play for someone who you know builds a great organization and you know I 100% believe we had that with coach Rivers so I want to be very clear that but you know those are the kinds of criteria we, we looked at those are the kinds of criteria that led uh, to hiring Doc and uh, we're going to work hard to to find someone who you know hits all those marks again uh daryl to your right um obviously james and joel probably weren't at their best in games six and seven in that series against the celtics 
uh, didn't play as well as they had played or could play. Is your, is your logic behind the move that a different coach can extract more from them, in particular in situations like that? Well, I think both John and James came up big in a lot of games, I think. Obviously, look, we win or lose as a group, as a front office, uh, players, coaches, you know, collectively. Um, you know, I think sometimes it's how we're guarded. Sometimes it's it's things like that. But it's not – no loss or win is on any one player, and both Joel and James had big games uh, during the playoffs and during all three years since I've been here. Well, Joel in all three years and James in the last year and a half. So, um, yeah, we felt – I felt like that a change uh, had the ability to – to help us going forward. Trent Krim. <laughs> okay. Uh, Daryl, uh, with the lack of progress of being able to get past the second round, how much responsibility, since you're the one that puts the team together, how much responsibility do you think you have in this team not getting further than they did? Yeah, I mean, I think number one me i mean it is a collective uh, effort but um i was brought in for a reason just like coach rivers was um so i i would put it on myself first um and uh i don't accept that we haven't advanced uh, i do think we're a much better team than uh, we were the prior year or the year before that uh, we've set sort of a arbitrary line that uh, I understand. I'm not like rejecting that that's obviously to win the championship, you have to make it farther than the second round. So I, I understand the math of that. Uh, but I would say like there's been a lot of progress within that, in that, you know, Maxi taking big steps forward, Joel uh, progressing to the MVP. I think James Harden is better than the second best player we've had. Uh, this year we lost to a heck of a team than the Boston Celtics, who have a very good chance to go on, go on to win the championship. Um, and yeah, so I like progress is there in my opinion. And if we, I promise you, next year if we make the conference finals but fall short, Howard or others will be writing how we just have never made the finals. And so we and look, our goal is to win the championship. It's not to make the second round or third round. So. I would understand that as well. So, Okay. It is a results business. Yeah. Okay. Having gotten past the second round, when you talk I about would say, to be fair, I would say we haven't won the championship. I'm just saying, like, I would reframe it that let's just reframe it that way would be okay. my, how I would say it. What do you tell ownership after you let go of the coach as to why you should keep your job? I tell ownership winning's hard. We have made progress. Um, and frankly, like, I feel like I'm the best guy to, to lead the 76ers and, you know, ownership believes that. And then if we don't advance, I understand if, if, if something happens from there. I guess you reset that bar there that said you didn't win the championship. If Doc had won one more game, one more game. Would this move have had to be necessary? I don't like to totally talk in, you know, theoreticals, but I, I do think, you know, when I wasn't here when Doc came in, but I know the goal was to to get, you know, 
to the conference finals or farther, really to win the championship, but that's also the goal given to me. So, yeah, one more win is is something that uh, would obviously have been a very positive thing, and hopefully it would have been nine more wins if I can do the math. So, You talked about James and Joel having some big moments, but game six at home had a lead with you know five, four minutes left, and then offense went, went away, and then in game seven, obviously – they didn't have the production they would have wanted. Were they accountable with you in their meetings after the season ended about their performance in the biggest moments? Again, as you know, I've had discussions with all our key players since the season ended. Uh, those are hard discussions. Just like I said, it's unfair to throw a mic. I mean, it is the business, but they get a mic in front of them right after the loss. It's still very hard for them to process things uh, right <clears throat> right after. Um, even a day or two or two later, but a hundred percent, like they 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 had a mirror out and they weren't really they weren't blaming anyone but how they could be better and you know specifically multiple players were like hey I need to work on this and that in our game so it was a very very positive mental approach I thought that everyone was taking ownership and what they needed to do better. And a follow-up with James, obviously having the player option. Do you anticipate him being back here with the Sixers, being able to re-sign him? Who's James. That James? Uh, we can't have those discussions yet, but um, we would. We are interested in bringing him back. Well, that's the only way to do it. <laughs> uh, Darrell, on the subject of uh, accountability for your star players, I know a, a big theme at the end of the last couple of seasons has been, you know, guys saying we weren't tough enough or we weren't, didn't do this, we didn't do that. Having brought in guys like PJ, guys like DeAnthony that are supposed to add to that toughness, at what point is that just a reflection of your star players? Well, I think in general, I do think we improved on the toughness angle. I think, you know, having been in this business for a long time, you know, when when you lose, there's going to be something to point to, right? <laughs> so, um, I do think it was very important, and the elements PJ added and Melton added were really critical for us. But you know, really, the problem we have is is the one Howard had, like we or whoever asked me about one more game. Like we we were we didn't outscore the opposition one by one point more one one more time in the second round. So, like. At the end of the day, there's it's a whole mix of players, toughness, shot making, rebounding, uh, offense, transit. Like it's it's a big mix of that, and you know, um, only a couple players in the league push all the buttons across all those elements. And so you can add toughness, but then you know maybe you have less off the ball movement. You can add, you know, so it's 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 a mix, and it's it's my job, it's the front office job to to make sure that mix is as good as possible. I do think we addressed a lot of those questions, which is why I was talking about progress, that I do think a lot of progress has been made, and we need to keep making progress to get farther. Uh, and on the subject of James's free agency, I know you can't get too far into it, but I guess there, earlier in James's career, it's an easy decision to say we pay him whatever the most we can pay him is and we don't think about it, I guess looking at how his playoffs turned out where he has multiple 40-point games and then middle of the series, end of the series, 
fades into the background like everyone else, how does that factor into, you know, how much you're willing to give him in terms of years and money? Yeah, I. Sorry, Kyle. You know, I normally answer your questions. I really can't go into like something that you know between us and their agency and we haven't even started because it's it, we're not allowed to talk to them yet so I mean if there's if there's a scenario where James doesn't come back I mean do you still feel you have the the core of a of a championship contender do you feel like you can make the moves needed I guess the players are out there that keep this ball rolling you don't necessarily need to I don't want to say rebuild, but kind of retool and look further down the road. Yeah, I mean, we have to plan for every scenario, right? And uh, for sure, he's a um, he has the option to be a free agent, um, and so we we have to plan for all those scenarios. And we've you know we feel like that's a scenario we we can continue to move forward. Look, we have to remember, like you know, there's like 26 teams that would rather have our roster. We're starting with the MVP of the league, <laughs> so. Um, you know the the draft lottery yesterday was hoping to get a top pick to hope that player becomes as good as the MVP of the league. So we are we're we're in a, we start in a great spot, um, and yeah, we're gonna we have a lot of free agents, so we're gonna lose some free agents. Um, there's some key ones we'd like to bring back, uh, but we feel good about the alternate scenarios as well. Um, you know, scenario A would be to bring James back. Scenario B, if he's not back, will be we'll have to get creative and and we feel good about the tools available to us if that happens. Hey, Daryl. Uh, kind of final, following up on what Kyle asked, like it seems like at this time last year you had a really clear sense of we need to get tougher, we need to add more two-way players. Mm-hmm. Do you think you similarly understand what went wrong and what needs to broadly be addressed this offseason? Yeah, so, I mean, we go through a pretty, besides the coaching search, we go through a pretty careful process on, you know, with the front office um, on what needs to be done, and, and we haven't gone through that yet, you know, obviously. So uh, we will we will figure that uh, out going forward, but... Uh, yeah, I think last year was a little more straightforward, especially the two-way player part. Um, the toughness part I thought was real, but it's a little bit harder to, you know, sometimes that's used like just if you win or lose. I think two-way players is a little more clear, and I think we did address a lot of that. Um, we still have, you know, a lot of things to improve, though, and so we'll have to – we do have some normal improvements that are coming this year, though, with – Maxie, we think, has a, a real shot to be one of the top players in the league. Um, you know, he is absolutely, you know, committed to putting the work in, as we know. So I think that's uh, that's an area that's pretty exciting. Um, and uh, and then Joel Embiid, like as you've seen, I wouldn't bet against him improving again. He's done it every year since I've been here. Uh, he's done it. I believe every year before I got here, I didn't track it as close, but he went from obviously not playing to playing, and uh, his health is improving and his game's improving. And again, a lot of the conversation with Joel was just him immediately like, hey, I can do more. I can work on this. I'm watching the playoffs. I'm looking at this guy. I can add that to my game, and I wouldn't bet against him.
Daryl, you already kind of uh, alluded to this, but you mentioned of the traits you want in a coach, tactics. Um, I know you kind of have more discussions to do, but as far as what you're looking at right now, what specific tactics are you looking to improve on going forward? That was just I was just trying to lay out the entire criteria. I actually think people put too much importance on that. Like they, it ends up being a much smaller part of the game than people expect. I mean, um, relative to like you know working with your star players, recruiting star players, um, you know things like that. It, it is an important element, but it's it's. It tends to get overvalued. It tends to get overvalued by people like me, frankly, because it's it's an area that, you know, I just naturally have an interest in, uh, you know, and I think a lot of people do. Uh, but it it can only be one part of the puzzle. I promise you, like it's it's just one part of the picture. So. And then to, to follow up on that, what do you kind of do to yourself to kind of slow down when you're thinking too much of tactics, kind of slow yourself down and maybe prioritize the other things? I mean, I'm not really the, I'm not really involved in the tactics. Like the coach just – the coach handles that. So, um, I, yeah, I don't – that doesn't even come up. Yeah, sorry to yeah. – others? Okay. Sorry, I wasn't Gina, sure that was next. Double question, Gina. I like it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, when you were rattling off some of the other criteria that you're looking for, you did mention that Doc obviously had a lot of those. So was there is there a missing ingredient or something? Is it just a matter of having a different voice? Or I guess kind of what is maybe the difference that you're going to look for in, in this time around? Yeah, I think I mentioned about the players, right? Look, you know, uh, if you look at players, unless you take some of the all-time greats, Michael Jordan or whatever, who are a 10 on almost every scale, um, players, coaches, front office, you have strengths across different things. So sometimes sometimes it's a fit thing. It's like, you know, we need a little more of of this and a little less of that. So it's it's not it's not any specific like we we need X. It's like with the new coach, the mix of strengths that they have, how are they going to work with the mix of strengths of our players? And we feel like we can, um, that this was the right decision to move forward. Uh, sorry, Daryl. Um, just quickly, I know you've kind of touched on this, but a lot of the names that are out there are coaches that have won championships recently, coaches of the year, candidates and winners. How much stock do you put in that, a proven winner, as opposed to, maybe a, a younger coach that hasn't had that chance yet? Yeah, it's part of the mix. I mean, the, the, the available coaches is very strong, and that's why we're encouraged by the ones that have reached out to us already. Um, as you mentioned, recent championships. It's, it's a factor. I mean, it's a factor. Um, definitely not a litmus test, but uh, it, all else equal, you, I, I do think that can lend a lot of credibility with players that, um, you know, hey, I just – did this I think that that matters and it's why it's why adding like a PJ Tucker last year is also a positive hey when I just did this with Milwaukee these were some of the key elements and I know that gave him a lot of voice in the locker room you mentioned that Joe has had big moments in his series but throughout his career his efficiency in the second round takes a very big hit I guess why do you think that is and what do you think you can do to put him in a better position yeah that was a big conversation with Joel uh, again led by Joel to his credit and 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 working through like hey um, how can I make sure I can still get to my spots you know uh, how can I make sure that um, you know when they are trying to take this away I have a counter things like that so 
um, look, it's 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 something that we and I'll just put it on myself. We need to do a better job that during the season we're get because the regular season can often be a Wednesday against a bad team, and Joel's so good he can put up he can just dominate a game w- without them doing a lot of keying. That's why I like I thought a lot of reps against say Toronto or Brooklyn this year were good that they were guarding him with like heavy double teams and, and different looks. We want to try and make sure that we get him those similar kinds of like high intensity defensive looks during the regular season, uh, and have that be something he's more comfortable in as we get into the playoffs. And so I think that's that's a big priority to continue to give him rep after rep, and and so he can work on it in the off season and during the season, so he's ready for the really really. You know, like focused defenses that he faces in the playoffs. And I guess just one final one with the new CBA, there is a second, much more punitive apron. Uh, how much does that factor in when you're considering these larger contracts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the details of that new CBA are still haven't been totally finalized, but um, a lot of them don't kick in till later. Um, so, look, I mean, I do think that's something like. Speaking of strengths and weaknesses, that is something that our front office is very good at is like, you know, finding areas to take advantage of uh, the new set of guidelines we work under and, and, and being creative and finding solutions to make the team better. And that, of course, was the voice of Daryl Morey, Sixers president, one day after the dismissal of, of Doc Rivers as the team's head coach after three seasons and I thought he had a lot of interesting things to say the first thing and I think the pretty much the the biggest storyline for this franchise heading into the offseason is what the future holds for James Harden a guy that Daryl Morey brought in he traded Ben Simmons Seth Curry Andre Drummond um, to the Brooklyn Nets in order to get him here he was going to be the the Robin to Joel Embiid's Batman. He was going to be the sidekick that this team really hasn't had since Jimmy Butler left in free agents agency a few years ago, and it was a, an up and down year, I, I think to say the least. He he led the league in assists per game. He had a couple forty point games in that Celtics series, but when push came to shove, when the chips were down on the table in Game Seven, he came up small, and that's sort of been James Harden's mo throughout his career. Is I think when we look back, he was a tremendous player one of the most efficient players ever, really the face of analytics and basketball from his time with Daryl Morey in Houston. But he's never come up big in the postseason. He's never had a big playoff run really since his second year in the league when he was the sixth man on that Oklahoma City team that that went to the finals and lost to LeBron James in the Miami Heat. And his future with this franchise, I think, is really, really interesting because Daryl Morey said earlier that he wants James Harden to be back. They haven't had those conversations yet. Legally, they haven't been able to have those conversations yet. That's going to have to come later on in the offseason after the NBA Finals um, finishes up next month. And he also mentioned that this is going to be an issue where he's going to have to come back on a new deal. He expects it to, to be a new deal for the, the Sixers point guard. He expects that if James Harden comes back, it's not going to be him exercising that player option. And there have been reports that James Harden wants to sign a long-term deal somewhere, whether it's Philadelphia or somewhere else. He said he wants you know, basketball freedom. He wants to play on a team that's competitive and gives him a chance 
to win the title. And while the Sixers do offer that at the moment, you have to wonder if it's really fruitful for them. If they want to be invested in the James Harden business long term, because we now have two seasons. And even though I think he was probably hurt and dealing with a nagging hamstring injury when they lost the Miami Heat last season and then this year, where he, he just really had a, a roller coaster of a series against the Boston Celtics. Is he the guy you want to build around? Is he and Joel Embiid the fit that you're looking for? Not just, you know, in 2023 and 2024, but, you know, 25, 26 and beyond. If you're signing him to a three, four, five year extension, that's going to be tough. And I don't know where Daryl Morey can pivot if James Harden doesn't come back. I don't know if there's a way to, you know, recoup assets and bring in another player of his caliber. Or if you just have to bite the bullet. And uh, knowing James Harden and knowing his relationship with Daryl Morey, who's incredibly loyal, you know, think back to when they got Harden and, and Morey showed up and, and, you know, met him at the airport and, and, you know, picked him up from the plane. I think right now it would be surprising to see James Harden uh, on another team, but I don't know if that's necessarily worth it for the Sixers. The second thing I thought was interesting was his relationship with Joel Embiid. You know, Joel Embiid has been the face of this franchise really since they drafted him. Um, obviously, he sat out two seasons and, and developed into an MVP player of the season. Joel Embiid had a frustrating postseason, too. He didn't put up big numbers in the Brooklyn series. Not that he had to. Um, he, he dealt with that knee injury, missed the first game of the Celtics series, came back. He, he had a couple good games. He, he kind of faltered at the end of Game 4, came back and played really well in overtime, played really well in Game 5. And then really struggled, much like Harden, really struggled um, down the stretch in Game 6, in Game 7, a pair of games that you had to have. And I think a lot of people are right when calling those games legacy games for, for Embiid. This was something that, much like Harden throughout his career, he's been known to, to come up small in the postseason. So to see that happen again, I, I think it's frustrating for the fan base. It's frustrating for the organization. It's frustrating for Joel himself and Daryl Morey said it. he said you know Joel Embiid was frustrated that that Doc Rivers got fired and he was a little blindsided too Daryl Morey didn't call Joel Embiid to tell him that Doc Rivers was getting fired before the news actually came out which I think is a little interesting giving how close those two guys are and I don't need Daryl Morey to run every move by Joel Embiid and he said as much that that doesn't happen Embiid has had you know issues or, or been upset with some of the players that they've traded away in recent years, and I imagine that's probably Seth Curry or maybe even Danny Green. I don't think he, he's directly referring to, to the Ben Simmons trade, and this team hasn't really had a ton of trades since Daryl Morey has gotten here. But I think Joel Embiid's frustration and, and you know, him being upset with the firing and dismissal uh, of Doc Rivers, I don't think Joel Embiid's time in or, or days in Philadelphia with the Sixers are numbered, but... It certainly is interesting that, you know, a guy who maybe a year and a half, two years ago, really before James Harden got here, seemed to be in lockstep with Daryl Morey throughout the way. They were playing tennis together all over the city, and, you know, he was learning a lot about Daryl Morey's philosophy in basketball, and, and they seemed to really be coexisting. The fact that, you know, these moves are being made, like I said, and, and they don't need Joel Embiid's permission, but, you know, without his knowledge... I do think it's a little interesting and may represent a turning of the tides and may represent that Joel Embiid might not be the most important person in the Sixers franchise long term, which is pretty crazy to say out loud. But after this postseason run and after, you know, three or four disappointing ends to the season, I don't know what the future holds for Joel Embiid. I'm not sure what Daryl Morey thinks about Joel Embiid long term. He obviously is under contract 
and, and right now still represents their best chance of, you know, going deep into the postseason next year and beyond if he can figure out how to stay healthy and how to be in peak physical form come the postseason. But I thought it was really, really interesting that Daryl Morey mentioned, you know, Joel Embiid, that rumor yesterday where Stephen A. Smith said Joel Embiid was upset about the firing of Darryl, Doc, Doc Rivers. Daryl Morey all but, you know, all, all but confirmed that and said, yeah, he was frustrated. He was upset because, that you know, we didn't run that idea by him. It's a little different. It's business not as usual um, when it it comes to that move. And the third thing I I took away was, you know, pretty similar to that that last Embiid story is Daryl Morey said that the current team and the players on the roster aren't going to have direct influence over who becomes head coach. You know, he's not going to be lobbying and and taking opinions from Joel Embiid, from James Harden, from, you know, Tyrese Maxey, whoever it may be. On the team, this is going to be a Daryl Morey hire. This is going to be a Sixers front office hire. And you have to wonder in what direction they're headed in. Because, you know, he used a lot of the the cliches we hear where we want a guy who, you know, knows how to run an offense. We want a guy who's going to get the team to play smart and play hard and everything like that. But when you look at some of the bigger name coaching candidates and the guys that they've been, you know, directly linked to outside of maybe J.J. Redick, which is, you know, pretty nuts to, to think that he could come back as a head coach, given the way things um, went down during his time in Philadelphia. And then he ended up going to New Orleans and, and finishing up, I think, in Dallas. He got traded from New Orleans to Dallas. But, you know, the other guys mentioned in those rumors, guys like Monty Williams, guys like uh, Mike Budenholz or Nick Nurse, um, they're all big name coaches, much like Doc Rivers or Tyron Lue who's the other coach the Sixers were linked to the last time we went down this road, seems like Daryl Morey's going big game hunting again. And you have to wonder kind of what those guys think about this team after watching them struggle again in the postseason. You have to wonder what they think about Joel Embiid. You know how Nick Nurse uh, has really been able to defend Joel Embiid quite well throughout his career. He's complained a lot about Joel Embiid and the foul calls that, that he's gotten throughout his career, especially when they play against Toronto. You have a guy like Mike Budenholzer who was able to win a championship with Giannis Antetokounmpo, another big man. But outside of that one championship, is he is he the guy? Because, you know, outside of that one postseason run, they've really struggled. And, and think back to their first-round exit against Miami, there were a lot of questionable coaching decisions towards the end of that, that, that uh, series. So you have to wonder about him. Monty Williams, the guy who comes from... Phoenix, but was a, a top assistant here under Brett Brown before he left. Sam Cassell, another guy mentioned who was Doc Rivers' top assistant. So I, I think right now, even though Daryl Morey is saying they're casting a wide net and they're going out, I, I think whoever becomes the next Sixers head coach is going to be someone we're fairly familiar with and going to be a name that, that even the most casual fans recognize. And it'll be interesting to see how this thing progresses over the summer, what Daryl Morey does to this roster to add to the core of Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, possibly James Harden if they bring him back uh, on a long-term deal. But I I thought what Daryl Morey had to say today was very interesting regarding the future of the Sixers. So that'll do it for me. I'm Tucker Bagley. Stay tuned for another episode of WIP Daily tomorrow with Joe Giglio. As always, we have all the the highlights and and best of WIP throughout the podcast feed. So make sure you subscribe, and, and thanks for listening.